I at least try to teach people and educate people to have the mindset of a service provider, not somebody who is mainly out to make money, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't make money. It's always a matter of how are you making money? Hey, everybody. We are live here with the Real Estate Rundown. And in this episode, we're going to be dealing with the topic of positive mindset and passive income. Our guest on this one is going to be Axel Meyerhofer, who has a very interesting story, but if you want to learn how to develop a positive mindset so economic independence becomes a reality for you, then you're going to want to turn in. If you want to know about financial freedom and being successful with investing so you can have what you want in life, then you're going to want to tune in. Basically, it all boils down to, according to my friend Axel, a positive mindset, being in everything and believing in everything you do so that you can become successful. So you're going to want to tune in. You're going to want to listen to us as we come back with the Real Estate Rundown. So join us. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. I have the great, great pleasure today of having uh, my friend Axel Meyerhofer on the show. Axel, say hello. Yeah. Hey, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Okay. So let's just get the first question out of the way. That's not a typical accent. Where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Germany and came to the US 25 years ago with the Air Force. But we talked a little bit earlier, the, the US Air Force wasn't where you started your career. Right. Where did you start? Where did you start your career? Yeah, so the story was I um, wanted to originally fly for the airlines that didn't work because the economy wasn't in the best shape at the time. So I ended up applying for the German Air Force and was accepted and went through uh, flight training and so forth. Then got my first assignment to a regular base, really loved what we were doing. And then I heard that they had something about test flying and, and putting new stuff into planes and stuff like that and testing it all out. And I thought that sounded really cool. So I applied for that, was accepted into that. And then I learned that for every one of those black boxes and stuff that they put in the plane, most of it came from American companies. So while I was on the test flight team, we came over to my wife and my little daughter at the time, baby almost, came over mm -hmm. to the US for like three, four, six week stands to learn from the engineering teams of those companies that made those systems how they work because at the time you know that's so early stage that there's no other place than going literally to the producer to learn from them then you put it in the plane and you test it and you develop procedures and stuff and so through doing this three or four times a year at some point my wife was saying you know what wouldn't it be nice if we could stay in the u.s a little longer than just these short little stints and i thought yeah i, I agree and we were either in california or texas or new mexico so all the places where there's a lot of sun and we yeah. were officially stationed in northern Germany, where there's no such thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? And so, so I looked into it, and I found out, uh, somewhat to my surprise, that there's actually an exchange program where a U.S. Air Force officer literally becomes a German Air Force officer, and vice versa. And I applied for that. Didn't really think I have much of a chance, but you know, sometimes you just have to ask for it. I guess I was accepted, and then came. Uh, to an Air Force base in New Mexico and learned how to fly F-111s. And then it was originally only supposed to be two years. And there's a whole long story of circumstances that it turned into almost eight years. And then with the time I had in Germany, plus the time in the U.S. Air Force, I got pretty much to the point um, 
in flying, you have to decide at some point when your body isn't quite that fresh anymore, if you want to stay in for good or you want to retire. And so I decided to retire. So do you send a thank you card to the guy that went from New Mexico to Germany? I mean, you know, you, you had to have an exchange, right? So somebody's still in Germany going, what happened, man? Where's Axel at? I want to go back home. Yeah, I think they, they kept their contract with him and brought him back three years later. <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to do the same thing. I, I am a pilot and, and I love flying, but I, I wanted to go the Air Force route. But, you know, they wanted me to have good grades and that just that just wasn't my thing. Learning what I know now about myself, the whole yes, sir, no, sir, that that whole thing, I would have probably not made it anyway. I, I'm too much of an independent spirit. But but out of that, you you um, Tell us more about that story of, of I mean, you're, you're test flying and now you're, you're in the United States long term. I mean, what is the rest of the story about Axel? Well, one of the things, and your audience is probably mainly interested on how does all of this relate to real estate. One of the things that happens, anybody who has ever talked to someone who is in the service, especially in, in the officer's grade level, you're basically being sent around station to station pretty much every two years or so on average. Right. So in my uh, career, I moved 11 times, mm. right? So, and part of that was in Europe and part of that was here in the US. And at some point I started realizing, uh, especially when we were here in the US and I began understanding a little bit about how the market and the whole system works, that it wouldn't really be necessarily smart to constantly when we get moved around to always rent a place. And, and at the level and the type of job I was doing, I typically didn't stay uh, on base, but out somewhere in the community. And so after the first or second uh, assignment, we basically decided, why don't we just buy a house, right? And I called it at the time when people uh, asked me about this kind of strange habit of buying houses for each assignment base. I called it my Hansel and Gretel strategy because I left these house crumbs behind Great from place to right. place. And as you may imagine, you know, I mean, it's not downtown Manhattan or downtown Charlotte or anything like that. It's typically in more rural areas where these Air Force bases are. But it got me into this whole aspect of real estate. And it became more pronounced when I retired, as I mentioned earlier, and then got recruited as an executive into a company. And my one of my first questions coming from the military is, what are you doing for retirement? And right. the owner of the company looked at me a little puzzled and said, that's, that's your thing. And coming from Europe, that was a little strange. What do you mean? It's my thing. Well, he said, well, right. no, people have to look at it for themselves what they want to do right and then a few years later i actually started my own business that made it even more pronounced to say okay i got to do something for myself and maybe also for my family long term and that brought me back to hansel and Gretel, right and to say okay are these properties really the ones that i want to uh, continue to have long term and as i researched more and more it became pretty obvious that i didn't have properties in the best performing areas and didn't pay the best price and all these kinds of things no proper property management all those things so i learned a lot and none of them were really horrible horrible right but not really what i would advise anybody today to do but it was a good introduction and a relatively slow introduction to this whole uh, issue of real estate and allowed me to actually realize which type of investment in real estate like we do and recommend and I, I try to help people understand the benefits of residential real estate investing that has all grown through that through actual personal experience you know and i find that people that 
especially in real estate, you know, it's kind of uh, either there's people that are involved in REITs and, and, and big decision makers that, that are publicly traded that are involved in commercial real estate. But I find that, that my guests who are uh, involved in residential real estate or, you know, syndication or things of this nature, really it's a grassroots. It's, a, it's, it's something in their mind that went off that said, I have to be preparing for my future. I'm looking for some cash flow. I'm looking to do some certain things. And most people that I find are, for lack of a better term, just self-trained. But I find that a lot of people in that self-training have don't have the breadth of experience with other types. So if they get involved in fix and flips, they stay with fix and flips. If they get involved in a BRRR scenario where they're buying, uh, renovating, you know, yeah, renting, then refinance, you know, they, they stick with that. But it's always interesting because everybody's looking for a place to get more information, but the information isn't really centralized. It's not like you can go to college and take a real estate 101 course. You know, you can't go there. So how is it that you have gained your knowledge and then turned around and reinvested your knowledge into other people? Well, for one, the information is not nicely available in a college degree. You're absolutely right. And I also believe it's not really easily available in in kind of a program, even though there are plenty of people who have different kinds of programs. But um, maybe you could say some MBA level kind of education maybe gets you at least to some of the, um, you know, statistical basics and stuff like that. What I found for me, and, and I always... Um, have that discussion with people who, who take me up on this complimentary strategy call that we are offering is to first say, okay, when you look around, what are the different options? And for me, one of the criteria was to say, okay, what am I already familiar with, which brings me back to Hansel and Gretel, but also what else is out there? And there are a few things that I have found, and I'm not saying this applies necessarily to everybody, but what I have found, for example, I like to have as much control over the things that I put my money in as possible. Another thing is I like to understand what the thing is, kind of like Warren Buffett, right? Like I don't invest into stuff that I don't understand. So there are some really, really sophisticated syndication deals with all kinds of promises, but I'm too dumb to understand them. So that's why I don't go there, right? And, right. and uh, then there is a rule set, and this is maybe a little bit my German DNA, coming through because one thing, and not only in the military, but in general, uh, in, in Germany where I grew up, when you look at anything, anything that you even remotely consider doing, you also automatically go and say, before I do anything, let me see what the rules are. And so right. when you look at um, my organization that I created based on the experiences that I had through my own investing, uh, the Idea Wealth Grower community, the word idea, is actually the result of that research, right? Like where does the income come from? What is the depreciation? What the heck is equity and how does it actually play in? How does appreciation in the value play a role? Oh. And, and what's the deal about um, leverage, right? Do I buy something like a stock on the stock exchange or do I use leverage and how can I do this to my benefit? So when you really go through and say, and there's actually some people joking that, you know, um, when you look at who are the successful people in the United States right now, they're either business owners or real estate investors. 
right? right? Especially because real estate, when you have the willingness, and this is another typical European thing, and maybe an Asian thing, to have a little bit of a longer time span of view on things, right? Mm -hmm. Not this necessarily instant gratification kind of approach, where somebody says, I buy a, a share or two or three in Tesla, and then I'm expecting another 200% gain in the next six months, right? So right. yes, that can happen every blue moon with a particular company at the right time in the right circumstances. Real estate isn't like that. And I know you're totally aware of that. Your audience is aware of that. So for me, this research, coming back to your question, what, what can you learn about the rules? For me, that was super interesting that I could have the control and the rules are totally in my favor. And then the, the other aspect to that is to say, what's the purpose? And this is something that I didn't know when I started, when I had like breadcrumbs all over the place, but I developed this, this aspect of what's the purpose. So one of the things that I really try to get across to people that engage with me is to say the purpose of real estate investing in the residential arena is primarily to provide a really good service and a really good home to your tenants. So you're providing a service. The fact that you make money with it and have passive income and the whole long list of things that you and I can go over, yes, those are all outcomes. But when you go to the purpose, it's why am I doing it, right? And so if you say like me, long-term, providing a great place that the tenant proudly calls home, and I can say I help them to have a nice place to live, that goes then to the mindset, right? Like how can I make it happen to become a service provider so people can have a nice three bedroom, two bath or four bedroom, two bath home. And that is a you know, totally different ball game than just looking at the money and the numbers and the profits and all of that. You're correct. And one of the things I wanna point out, I think, you know, you mentioned your German DNA, but I also think it's your test pilot uh, DNA, right? <laughs> Because because when you say you want to control things, but you're getting into, you know, a jet airplane with new equipment in it that they put you in as a guinea pig to find out what could possibly go wrong and, and they let you do whatever you want with it, you have to be in control of that situation. You have to be at the top of your game, at the, at the best mental faculties that you can possibly have before you hit the throttle on that thing. And so I, I see that analogy working kind of both ways, that it's the oh, German yeah. DNA, but it's also the test pilot in you that says, what could possibly go wrong, right? Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And it's also in, in addition to that, I mean, if you test something, if you go back to that aspect, you really want to understand it to the deepest level of detail possible, because only then, and, and this is true in many places, can you really try to anticipate, like you were just saying, what could go wrong and then already prepare a reaction to it, right? right? And, and that goes all the way in, in test flying. I, I luckily only got close a couple of times, never really had to do it, but it goes all the way to ejecting. Right. Right. And, and I had this, if you translate that to real estate, I had a deal that I was really happy to get into. And then some things happened and I literally ejected from that deal. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great way to look at it. The other the other point I wanted to touch on, actually, that you put together so well that a lot of people forgot about until February of this year is that that the tenants are our customers. Right. right. Without them, we have no business. We have houses. And we would be in the resale business if we had no tenancy. And a lot of people had forgotten that. 
And COVID has kind of reminded everybody that, you know what, without an agreement between your tenant, that you're providing them with the best possible service you could possibly give them. They're providing you with the best effort they could possibly come up with to make sure that they're paying the rent. And without coming together and looking at what is best for both parties, and without taking that mindset of the tenant is my customer, a lot of people miss the boat and they're like, oh, you know, the guy didn't pay. We got to, we got to evict. We got to do this. We got to do that. Instead of taking the approach like we did when, when, when COVID first onset, we, we reached out to all of our tenants and we said, we have no idea where this is going, but we also know that we don't want to be the last to know that you're having trouble. We treated them like they were, you know, our, our cousins, our family members. We wanted to know what was going on. What could we do to help? Because we knew that their success that if there was funding that needed to be found for rent assistance, or maybe instead of just you know throwing late fees on everybody, maybe it was working with them and doing some other things and taking rent by the week as they got their unemployment or whatever it was that we needed to do, we were more than willing to do because we didn't want to get into a situation where they felt that we were not their adversary, that we were their adversaries, not their their you know customer service agents, and we were able to through the beautiful work of, of my team, we were able to retain everybody because we did take that approach. And I think that a lot of people have forgotten that they are your, they are your customers. And without that, you're really going to struggle to keep good quality tenants that are willing to stick with you because you were willing to stick with them. Based yeah, on all that, yeah. you get the best results. And, and, and so, so back to what we were talking about before in the introduction, though, how does all this tie into mindset? Well, in a couple of different ways. One thing is the mindset that you have, even if you say, I put my investor hat on, the mindset that is under that hat and the mind that is under that hat, I at least try to teach people and educate people to have the mindset of a uh, service provider, not somebody who is mainly out to make money, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't make money. It's always a matter of how are you making money, right? And so then the mindset should also include to say, identify for one, what is my current financial situation and what is the location, literally the geographic location that I'm in. So if like for myself, I'm living in the San Diego area, which most people would probably acknowledge is one of the more expensive or if not most expensive places in the country. If I look at the market, without even being a real estate agent or anything like that, I can easily identify that I cannot provide the service I want to provide, generate this being proud to live in one, one of my properties, because to get that to a level where I could proudly say I'm making sufficient money, the rent would be unaffordable to anybody. So this brings into, into the view and into the mind of the people that I like to work with to say, you need to think about performance, which then leads to the strategy that we apply. I call that the out-of-state turnkey strategy, because from here, anywhere that I could go to actually have a well-performing investment is at least a thousand miles or further away. So I have developed and offer this to the people that come and work with me, five turnkey providers who have special criteria associated with them. And they are basically, if you want to call it, like you said, my team on site. 
And then I can go and say this example and most people like to give is not just an example, it's a reality. In, in one of the other podcasts I was recently on, uh, the host asked me, what is the, the property you currently own that you like the best or most proud of or something like that? And I said, you won't believe it. It's actually a property in Dayton, Ohio, six to eight minutes from downtown that I bought for $80,000, fully renovated. And the reason I'm so proud, proud about it and that the tenant, they fought about getting, <laughs> getting the, the lease agreement was I went and visited the area and the properties that the turnkey provider had to offer at the time. And luckily, and this is a matter of relationships, like you were saying, Shannon, right? Ultimately, it comes down to the relationships with your tenant, with your turnkey provider, with your lender, with your insurance company. So these guys offered me the properties because of our relationship before they ever went on any website. They weren't even really starting. They were just barely starting to renovate. And so we walk into this kind of chaos when you go into a house in the middle of a renovation. Yeah. But what I saw is it still had in most areas, beautiful hardwood floors of this kind of more almost mahogany type, even mm -hmm. though it was a type of oak. But what was more impressive to me was that property, even though relatively old when it was originally built, must have been one of those like local, like the, the mayor's mansion or something like that. It wasn't that big, maybe 13, 1400 square feet but it had that beautiful wood around the windows, French doors out of wood with kind of like this really expensive glass and stuff like that. So I told the crew of my turnkey provider, this stays, this stays, this gets renovated, this gets, you know, you want to preserve the, the touch and feel and the heritage of the place. And when we, when the turnkey provider ultimately put it up on the market, we, I'm normally always striving to get 1%. And we ended up with 1.3% basically on the rent because so many people wanted that. When they went in, the upper floor was kind of relatively modern and fresh and the lower floor was updated, new kitchen, everything, but in the style. And everybody said, this thing has so much character, I want to rent it. Yeah. Right? So those little things, and it's an $80,000 house. I literally, and this is really the important message for mindset that I like to get across. Don't think you have to be rich to become a real estate, especially residential real estate investor. I put $17,000 in. Right. right. So even if you have nothing right now, you can have $1,000 a month in your accumulation account for the next 17 months, and you can buy exactly that same place. Right. And, you know, I think that's what, what so many people miss is that, you know, it doesn't have to be a three or four or $500,000 investment. And like you indicated earlier, that a lot of people miss is it's not the stock market. So leverage is available because you have real property involved. You have a real asset that there's, there's collateral behind it where the stock and a share of Tesla, there's no collateral. You know, Elon Musk is a great guy, but if that company goes under, he's not going to write you a check for what you paid for that stock share. You know? well, I, I mean, to, to extend that joke a little further, right? Like if the bank were to give me $300 and I only have to pay $100 for those $400 shares, maybe we are in. Right, exactly. I just, don't, I just don't know any bank that gives me $400 out of $500 to play on the stock market. They understand that it's the casino, <laughs> right? <laughs> they understand. Just, you know, you, I, yeah. I really am a big fan, um, you know, and I'm maybe sometimes people say you're, you're typical, very direct German and to some extent, I still am. But I really am a fan of sometimes really being pretty drastic when it comes to really comparing. Tell me which stock you can buy where the bank says, oh, yeah, I give you 80% of the stock value when you buy it. Right. It doesn't happen. 
Well, and then and then the other side of that is where are you going to buy a stock that you can get somebody else to use and pay you for the rest of it? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, if if you let somebody use your Tesla stock, they're not going to pay you to use it. But if you let somebody use your house, they're going to pay off the mortgage for you. They're yeah, that's exactly terrible. right. Besides the fact that on the on the house, I am in control to determine what the dividend is. Right. At Tesla, Elon, or whoever the people are, and, and it's in some cases probably worse than Tesla, <laughs> determines if there's any dividend or not and how much and who gets it and what is preferred right. shares and all that. I mean, I, we don't need to dive too deep into no. it. It's just no. very clear that when you say, okay, why is it? that every time we had a massive crisis, whether it was the Great Depression in, in the 30s or the, uh, the financial crisis in 2007 to 10, and I'm sure it's the same gonna be after this pandemic is over, is the people who own real estate are always the ones who are first back on their feet, didn't have a, a huge amount of economic impact, especially if they kept their assets. Yes, they may have fluctuated theoretically on paper, right? but if you, if you um, depending, on real estate like I am and I assume you and your team are, I have 98% rental income in yeah. all every month throughout the pandemic. And yep. we do the same thing. I told my, all my tenants already, we're not going to increase the rent and late fees are suspended. Not right. because, and see, I can do this with a smile because they never really need late fees. They just pay on time. Right. And the reality is it shows that you care and it right. shows that you're on the same side. It's not an adversarial thing. Because so often people have looked at the media and they go, oh, my gosh, my landlord's a monster. You oh, know, yeah. And the media is really, yeah, it's, it's really sad how they actually portray both landlords and investors in general. I mean, like one thing that we just do right now while you and I are talking is that for all the properties, I ask all my um, turnkey providers to go and do like gutter cleaning. Right. So we ordered a company, we made a deal because we have a bunch of properties and they're going to go around and do gutter cleaning. But there is a little bit of a, an additional motive. The one thing I said is if these guys want the contract, the one thing they have to promise is in the process of gutter cleaning, I want pictures for every property. How right. does it look like on the outside? They're going to go there anyway. Right. right. So the company that, that was willing to do that and gave a good deal is going to clean all the gutters and give me some update on how the landscaping looks like. Sure. Right. So that kind of stuff. But that also shows the tenants, the owner is interested to keeping the property in, in shape and makes it ready for winter. And we got the snow cleaning people ready and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's really a matter ultimately of the relationship. And if you look at why are you getting involved in residential real estate in the first place? Yes, it's these ideal aspects that I mentioned earlier. But it's also because it gives you the opportunity to really, and that brings me to the slogan that you read on, on my website and when we talked earlier, is mm -hmm. helping others help themselves become successful. I do this for my clients, but I also encourage anybody who is working with me to take on that mindset and that attitude in the context of their investments. Right. You know, you keep using the term turnkey, and I know exactly what it means. Just for our listeners, define the define what turnkey means in your organization. Yeah, in my organization, turnkey means on the one hand that the property is basically ready to occupy at the time when I purchase it, but it goes beyond that. And and I'm not redefining the term, but I have certain criteria that I associate with it. And that's why I only have five, even though there are hundreds, if not thousands of turnkey providers out there. So for me, a suitable turnkey provider needs to be 
the company that finds the property, renovates the property, sells the property to me as an investor, and then also manages the property, meaning like finding the tenant, making the repairs and stuff like that. I call that the virtuous triangle. Because oftentimes when you go out and say, okay, I'm looking for a turnkey, you find somebody who bought a property from a flipper or wholesaler and then sells it to you and gives you the key and calls that turnkey. Or they right. say, okay, we bought the property and we are having it out under our management. And so if you buy it, then the management is here and here is the key. But what oftentimes happens from an investor perspective, you have to keep in mind, like I said, we're calling our strategy out of state, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand miles away. Right. So I need to have the insur assurance that the team on the other end is really invested. And how do they get invested is if they are the ones who renovate the property, they would be complete idiots if they don't do a good job on that. Because when I buy it, I make them sign a one year warranty on anything that has been done on the property that they are then supposed to maintain. So anything they don't do well on renovation, they on their own dime have to fix after the tenants move in, right? right. So that's the virtuous thing is, yes, I, I know a lot of people say uh, turnkey is a little more expensive. That's true. But when you find the turnkey provider like the ones we work with that meet those three criteria, then you really have a relationship because they tell you here's a new property like the one I mentioned that is coming onto the market soon. Would you be interested? How do you want it? Do you want to have influence on the scope? Should we put like this kind of shower or bigger bathtub or stuff in and all kinds of things like that, right? And so I can go a little further if you like into some of the things that we have developed with our turnkey providers that some people in your audience who might actually consider that might benefit from as how do you set up the relationship? If you're the investor, what are you actually going to look for? But in a nutshell, they need to be the ones who purchase the property, renovate it, then sell it to me and then also manage it for however long we work together. You know, and, and one of the things that you mentioned uh, that that I wanted to clarify, you know, you mentioned that that sometimes turnkey is more expensive, but I would I would kind of uh, push back a little bit on that and say, you know, somebody's going to spend their time and effort on it, right? Somebody's going to have to, if you buy it from a wholesaler, you're going to have to go take care of it and renovate it. And are you going to get as good of a deal as somebody who renovates all the time? And are you going to have control of it from 1500 miles away that when the tile guy was supposed to be there on Thursday and it's now Tuesday and he still hasn't showed up and you have his number from a referral from Facebook, how are you going to motivate him to go out there and get that done? And, you know, I, I look at that and a lot of people in real estate don't give themselves any dollars or any consideration for their own time. Yeah, so I would, I would challenge you, Axel, that that you are paying someone else to do the work that you don't want to do. And you have sat back and you've looked at it and go, you know what? I agree that you're going, it's a better value for me to pay you than it is for me to get on an airplane fly to Ohio, come look at the site, be there for the weekly checks, deal with the warranty issues. And, and a lot of people forget that. They forget that their time has value. They forget that the reason that they're doing this is to create passive income so that they can spend time with their family. So they find themselves spending all their weekends and all their, all their vacation days on their real estate instead of realizing that you got to pay somebody, you might as well pay a professional, which is oh, something yeah. that you've got figured out right away. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. And that was a beautiful explanation of the difference between cost and value, 
right? right. What, what I was referring to is that a lot of people use the term cost. They go on Correct. Zillow or whatever or MLS and they say, how much does it cost? Right. But they don't ask what's the value. And your explanation right. that you just gave is a beautiful explanation for there is value and there is cost. And sometimes if you value your time, then combination of the two, the cost and your time value brings you to a number that is probably very close to what they're asking you anyway. Right. And then I love what you've done where you've thought it through and you've said, hey, you know, I could work with anybody, but why not work with one person that solves my whole problem, right? I go to them, they found the house, they're going to make money on finding the house. They renovate the house, they're going to make money on renovating the house. They rent out the house, they're going to make money on renting out the house, but they're also going to want to sell me another one. Absolutely. They're going to warranty what they have, they're going to deal with the tenants. They're going to take, so I'm only dealing with Chuck or Charlie or Bill or Jim or whatever. I'm only dealing with one person in that whole city for everything I do in that city. I think that's really intelligent. And I think that's what a lot of my listeners miss when they're looking for the deal, right? And, and they're, they're looking to come up with this cost, this less expensive cost when their time is worth nothing. So I, I, I really see the genius in what you've put together there. And I see where you've been able to take out a lot of the aggravation factor. You pay a little bit more, you pay somebody for it. It leaves you less aggravated. I can see how that would leave me in a much more positive frame of mind and allow me to think much more positively of real estate if I didn't have to solve every problem with real estate myself. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. There's also something in on the human side, on the mindset side, that it goes in the direction of relationships, right? Because if you ask yourself, or I challenge any of your listeners to ask themselves, how would you define or describe a good relationship? And when you have that in your mind, then what are some of the things that you experience in a good relationships? Which, for example, for this topic means, why turnkey provider? that I already have four or five properties with exactly the way we just described. Let's say they come across a nice duplex, triplex, fourplex, and they know exactly how I tick because I've been working with them for a while. I already own properties. We talk every month about the performance of these properties. They're going to call me before they, and, and maybe two or three other people, maybe Shannon, Axel, and Joe, and say, hey, you three guys, we have this thing coming up. We just found it. We don't normally do triplex. But would that be something that meets your criteria to the T? Right. right? And, the, and the, when you say, how do I measure if I really have a good relationship? Right. And for me, this is when my providers recite what made them call me. So right. one of the things to just to maybe give you a little tidbit of, of some of the things that I maybe th I think we, we're pretty unique doing this. We discovered that when you look at a full renovation, right, like basically to the studs and rebuild, you have all kinds of things. I always say when it needs gas, electricity, or water, right, anything, ceiling fan, light fixture, faucet, water heater, all those kind of systems. Some of them inherently come with a good longer term, eight, 10, 15 year warranty, but a lot of them come like Best Buy or something lowest with a one year warranty. Right. But just like Best Buy or Lowe's, when you get to the register, they ask you, Shannon, would you like to have the extended warranty? And you say, how much is it? And they say, $15, $18, $20. So we did this 
on one of our like between 80 and 150,000 dollar properties. And we found out that when we add these little extended warranties on everything, literally everything that needs any form of a connection, you end up anywhere between like $600 and $1,500. And you know, here comes the beauty. How cool is it to make the bank pay 80% of that? Right. So you right. roll that into your price. So you pay maybe $300. Every single thing you see in the place is under a four or five year warranty. The bank paid 80% on that. And if anything happens, you don't have to tap into your maintenance fund, which wow. doesn't mean you shouldn't have it. Right. I'm still saying you should have it. But how nice is it to say, I don't need to say it anymore because they know this. <laughs> it's all, you know, like the relationship. Yeah. But yeah. if it were like the very first property, the very first time, I would basically say to the maintenance guys, when they call and say, hey, we have a $300 repair because, I don't know, the ceiling fan fell off the ceiling or stuff. They say, just open the binder, get the warranty, get them to fix it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, guys, if you didn't catch that, that was an amazing tip on how to not only get an extended warranty, but get the bank to finance that warranty and the tenant to pay for it without asking anybody to do anything. You, you like, like Axel says, he likes to make the decisions. He made the decision. He did that. So, you know, the other thing too that, I, that I'm hearing you consistently say is relationship, relationship, relationship. You made a relationship with your tenant. You talked about a relationship with your turnkey provider. You know, you talked about the relationship with your maintenance crews. You know, is, how key is that to what you do? Well, for me, it's, it's the one, probably the most important thing. And I would add to that list, uh, the property management, like as a team, uh, I have the super great fortune to have a small, smaller scale uh, insurance company where I actually deal with the owner and founder of the company, which by the way, and just as another little tidbit allows you because he's the owner and I'm the investor to say, let's do 5,000 deductible. You go to State Farm or any of the big ones, um, they would not allow you typically to do more than 2,500. Well, guess right. what that does to your policy? That can be 50 or or $100 positive cash flow in your pocket just because of your stupid insurance policy, right? right? which you're not going to use anyway, because for one, the thing is under warranty forever. And if there is a massive storm <laughs> or something like that, then it's basically rebuilt the whole place. Right. Right. There is really very little in between. So the right. thing is just because it's required by FHA to have it insured. So you might as well keep it as affordable as possible. And then the, the last one I would add to that is a lender, right? A lot of the organizations that you go, if you go to a real estate agent or even to the regular turnkey providers or anybody who has websites, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, we're working with a local lender. And there's nothing more painful. I mean, I have properties, I think, in six states. How painful it would be if I had to qualify and go through the rigmarole for every single little local lender in every little town that I have a property. I have one lender nationwide. I qualify once years ago. And when I need to do the next property, I just go to them and say, hey, guys, here's the one, here's the performer. But then it's also because of that relationship, there's that word again. They say, before we give you the money, we want to understand, have the turnkey provider and the um, um, title company to understand that they need to have a tenant guarantee. 
Now, the ones I work with, they are all familiar with that. So they already right. bring that to the table before we even get to closing. But right. those are the little things, right? They say, okay, we operate nationwide. And, and if this is not the deal or this turnkey, but ultimately, like I said, when you all know each other and you're all working more like a family than, than otherwise, then everybody brings the necessary stuff to the table. And what I think is really important is, and this is a little bit, I think, more important these days than ever before. We have gotten from external information and influence so much conditioning of seeing everything in an adversarial kind of way. Yeah. I think it's really important to realize when you want to provide this beautiful service so your tenant sees the place that you provide to them as their home and they proudly invite other people to it, then that comes from seeing things as a community who everybody wants the same thing. The lender, the insurance, the turnkey, ISN investor, the tenant, everybody wants to have a nice, clean, well-working place to live for a fair price. And we're all working in that same direction. That's the purpose that we have. And if we can realize that, then it becomes all a beautiful thing. You know, one of the things, too, to just kind of recapture, I mean, I keep hearing you talk about relationship. I keep hearing you talk about, you know, the, the, the turnkey. And, you know, what I keep coming back to is that everything that you're doing, Axel, is, is all about freeing up your time, right? So yeah. you have the turnkey provider is now coming to you because you built a relationship with them. They're coming to you. So you're not having to look online all the time or look, get, get right. contact 25 different real estate agents to find 17 different deals to look at every single weekend to find maybe one that might work only to find out that it's sold while you were doing your analysis. Yeah. You're going to a turnkey provider. That turnkey provider is providing you with the warranties that you're asking for. They're working with you. They're doing things according to actual spec specifications, and you're dealing with the lender. So instead of going out and saying, I could save one-eighth of 1% on my interest rate by going with every single different thing, you're going the easy route that is really likely returning you an enormous amount of money because of your time freedom. You're, you're dealing with the same people in the same fashion all the time because you've set up that system that, yes, it is it costs a little bit of money, but the savings are tremendous because you go with the system. And just, just the fact that you mentioned the binder means that you have the same system for each property, whether it's in Kansas or Ohio or Michigan, Yep. To where you go into the into your beautiful bookcase behind you and you go, ah, the yep. one in Michigan, here's here's my here's everything that I need. Here are the binders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So so I see where you have not only invested in real estate, but you've invested in systems that are investing in you. The 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 payoff in real estate is money. The systems are simplicity, and the investment is you is the is the part that you're asking for, and that's the time back. Right. No, that's absolutely. the one thing yeah. you cannot buy. No, absolutely. And see, the thing is, it ultimately, we started out, and I think it's worth coming back to purpose, the term right. purpose, right? Why are we doing it in the first place? And I always try to encourage, and this is where the grower word in our term, ideal wealth grower comes in, is the G for the grower stands for the goal or the big, hairy, audacious goal. Right. And I always encourage people to adopt a mindset where they say my big, hairy, audacious goal is a certain number at a point in time in the future where I reach economic independence. And right. the definition for that is where you have the freedom to decide how you want to exchange, for, exchange time for money or do you want to exchange time for money at all? 
So an example is a job. I exchange my time to get paid for my job and my work. Well, there are a lot of people who love to do things, but those things that they love to do aren't necessarily paid very well. You might want to help um, unfortunate people or homeless people. You might to like to paint. You might like to go places and just explore them and, and immerse yourself in them. Most of that stuff doesn't pay. So to enable yourself that freedom, that's where this economic independence point comes, where you say, okay, I live like in San Diego, so my number is probably something like, I know my number is 8,500 a month minimum. That covers everything if I don't move and keep everything as it is. And anything beyond that is basically free cash to do whatever I want to. So that economic independence number or point means for me, when I make that in passive income, I can do whatever I want because I never have to worry how to pay my bills. Now, if you're sitting somewhere in Florida or in the Midwest or I don't know, other places, your number may be three, four or $5,000 a month. Right. But then it becomes, okay, we have these relationships. We do these things. We value our time. We have this interaction, but the purpose is to reach that point. Yep. And that point doesn't mean you have to quit your job. It just means it gives you the freedom to decide what you want to do with the most valuable thing you do, do have, and that's time. Yep. Right? What do and you I want to spend your time on? Yeah, and I think that that's so important, Axel, that right up front you're identifying that purpose because if someone's, if someone's goal is to be a remodeler, then your system doesn't work and you're identifying that right up front right? Because they want to be the one actually doing all the work. They want to be in the middle of the mix. But if someone is looking at it going, no, I'm looking for time freedom. I'm looking to free myself up from my day job, but it's not because I want to trade jobs and go to work as a remodeler. I want to make sure that these guys do their job. I do take care of these things and then I'm free to go from there. So actually, I can totally see your system and I can see how you've got it worked out from a test pilot's DNA, from a, from a German heritage DNA that really has it systematic that once you've identified what that purpose is, you're able to get that, you're able to replicate that, you're able to teach that, you're able to help others be able to do those things. And as long as you're still working with the system, you're going to continue to have systematic results and systematic outcome on how things go together. So, man, that's just, that's really great. Um, Axel, and I really want to thank you for your time and how you brought all this together. What I want to ask you, though, is how do people find you in the, in the world right now? Right. Well, the first thing we talked a little bit about mindset. So people can go to idealwealthgrower.com forward slash mindset and, and they get a mindset manual. And there's naturally like on all websites, there's a contact page. If anybody wants to directly contact me, it's Axel at idealwealthgrower.com for email. Or you can call me or text me at 805-708-6830. Now, guys, there's that. a guy that believes in his product. He's given out his his phone number on this podcast, you guys. I mean, that puts you right in touch with the owner, with the, the, the creator of this system. So, guys, I hope you really got a lot out of this information. I know I did. I learned that the Lowe's home warranty is financeable and we should have been doing it this whole time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and review what we're doing, guys. But actually, I want to say a big thank you to you for coming onto the show. I really appreciate the insight you shared with our listeners. I hope that you continue to find success in what you do. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Axel. We'll talk soon, guys. Join us again on another episode of the Real Estate Rundown, where we've got more tips and tricks for you on how to make real estate your passive game all the time. We'll talk to you soon.